Welcome to Tell Me What to Google. I'm Michael Kent, and this is a podcast where listeners tell me something they recently learned from the internet that they think I should learn about. Thanks to everyone who listened to last week's episode about the orphan train. Eric Dittleman got one of the quiz questions right, so I promised him I'd plug his podcast as a prize this week for him. You can hear Eric and his co-host Matt Franco on their podcast, Mind Over Magic. It's interesting if you're a magician, but it's purposely made to be interesting if you're not. So go give them a listen. It's Mind Over Magic, and uh, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to add a quick trigger warning. There's a part of this episode that will deal with harm to animals. And I'll warn you before I get there in case you want to hit that skip forward button. Another quick note, last week we had Shaylee George on the show to talk about orphan trains. And I had no idea there's a conspiracy theory about orphan trains. It involves Tartaria, mud floods, and a global reset. And it purports that orphan trains were part of that. I stayed away from that in the episode mostly I don't want to cover conspiracy theories on this podcast. I'd rather these stories stay things that people recently learned about that that are established fact. That's not to say I won't visit any conspiracy theories in the future. It's just not really what this podcast is about. Today's topic is about etymology, the history of a word. And it comes from Jimmy. Let's listen. Hi, Michael. This is Jimmy. I learned that the word jumbo has an interesting origin, and I thought you might want to check it out. Thanks. No, I have no idea. And what's even stranger is I've never even wondered about it. Let's take a look. Oh, that's fun. It's all about an elephant. And I know about this elephant, Jumbo the Elephant. Interesting. So we commonly know of and use the word jumbo as a synonym for large. But the word jumbo usually means unusually large or even powerful. We don't think twice about hearing it used anymore. Jumbo jet, jumbo size, jumbo shrimp, jumbo soda, jumbo burger, you get the idea. It's one of those words that we don't even question because it's part of our lexicon in the English language. Like many stories I've covered on this podcast, there are a few competing theories about the etymology of this word. I'm going to focus on what is generally accepted as the main origin, but before we do that, I'll talk about a couple other citations that I've found. One of them is from an 1823 slang dictionary by John B. It uses the word jumbo to describe a clumsy or unwieldy fellow. It's only used once in this book, and not much else is known about this slang term. It certainly wasn't popular. Next, we have the phrase mumbo-jumbo. In modern terms, we use it to describe something as nonsense, but in B's 1823 definition, he refers to a 1738 book about traveling in Africa and uses the term mumbo-jumbo to describe a ceremonial masked dancer with divine powers. Probably not an official term, but rather his colonial view on a culture that he wasn't familiar with. But aside from these rare examples of the word being used earlier, it seems like there's almost consensus that the word jumbo, as we use it today, is all owed to a single circus elephant. And I'll tell you all about that after a quick word from our sponsors. I don't know about you, but this time of year, as it starts to get colder, we love burning candles around the house. Okay, who am I kidding? It's all year round. And our favorite candles are made by Daniel Joseph. They're 100% all-natural soy with braided cotton wicks and fragranced oils. And not only are they handmade in Evanston, Illinois, they're made from all American materials. Because they're made with soy instead of crude oil paraffin wax, 
they burn clean with no soot, and they burn longer. We love the cashmere vanilla, but brown sugar and fig is great too, and you'll just have to go see it for yourself. Go to DanielJosephCandles.com. It's DanielJosephCandles.com. I'm excited to be partnered with this company because it's a product that I've used and loved for years. Scotty Vest makes gear that looks great and is packed with pockets. And as much as I travel, that's always been a huge perk. But even on years like this one where I don't travel as much, my Scotty Vest fleece is just as useful because I'm always carrying so much stuff with me. My wallet, my phones, my keys, my mask, and there's a pocket for everything. Not only that, they now have an awesome new face mask that allows you to even use a straw while wearing it. Go to scottyvest.com, that's S-C-O-T-T-E-V-E-S-T.com and use my promo code, tell me, all one word, for 15% off your order. That's scottyvest.com and enter promo code, tell me. In 1865, an African elephant arrived at the London Zoo. The elephant was named Jumbo by London zookeeper Anoshin Anathajayashri. The origin of the name Jumbo for the elephant is commonly thought to be a play on the Swahili greeting Jambo. But also in Swahili, the word Jumbe means chief. A competing theory is that Jambu was a large apple tree on a mythical mountain in Indian folklore, and Anathajayashri was Indian. The elephant was thought to be around five years old at the time of his arrival in London, and he already had undergone a long journey to get there. Jumbo's mother was killed by hunters, and he was captured in Sudan as a young calf. He was sold to an Italian animal dealer and was transported through Suez across the Mediterranean Sea to Italy, along with a collection of live animals captured in Africa. The entire collection was sold to the Menagerie Kreuzberg in Germany, and later the elephant was sold to the Paris Zoo. In June of 1865, he finally arrived at the London Zoo, and this is where his fame began. Jumbo was a large African elephant, but actually no larger than the typical African elephant. He was around 10 feet tall and just over six tons, that's 12,000 pounds. He had a keeper, Matthew Scott, that took care of Jumbo and became his closest friend at the London Zoo. When Jumbo arrived in London, he wasn't in the greatest shape and they really restored his health so that he could live a long, happy life there at the zoo. While he was essentially an untrained elephant, he didn't do any tricks or anything, he would allow children to ride on his back and this made him hugely popular because not all the elephants would allow this. This was the first time the public had become so excited about an elephant. In British history, there are stories of some of the most famous people at the time riding Jumbo as a child. People like Teddy Roosevelt and Winston Churchill rode Jumbo when they were children. He was a gentle giant and a zoo favorite. However, at the age of 20, Jumbo started a natural process for male elephants of that age. He became difficult to control and quite wild. The zoo was scared that people were going to be hurt. Around the same time, the popular American showman and circus owner P.T. Barnum heard about some of the problems the zoo was having, and he knew he wanted that elephant. To P.T. Barnum, who already had made elephants an important part of his circus, he was seeing dollar signs. To not only have a large African elephant, but one that was already famous would be a huge draw to the circus and to his name. 
He and his partner Bailey bought the elephant from the London Zoo and there was quite an outrage from the citizens of London. They loved the animal and they held protests against the zoo selling him. One of those protesting was Jumbo himself. He refused to leave the zoo. It took three weeks to get Jumbo into the giant crate to bring him to America. It's said that on the steamer trip over the Atlantic Ocean, Jumbo was given whiskey to calm him. Others said that the elephant was so lively he danced with sailors on board. Of course, these are probably just tall tales. P.T. Barnum was right in his gamble to bring the elephant to the circus. America was fascinated with this giant animal. When he arrived in New York City, a record crowd came to greet him, and Jumbo became the face of Barnum and Bailey's circus. It made the circus more popular than ever. Everyone wanted to come and see Jumbo the giant elephant. As I said earlier, he was just over 10 feet tall. But Barnum advertised him as 13 feet, one inch. As this elephant became so popular in America, companies started using it to advertise how large their products were. To give their audiences an idea that something was large, they started saying jumbo-sized with a picture of the elephant. And the elephant was so popular, everyone just knew what that meant. And soon, the picture of the elephant wasn't needed. People just knew that jumbo size meant larger than life. The story of Jumbo the Elephant has a sad ending, and this is where I have to offer you a content warning. The next part isn't pleasant. The circus animals were being walked along a railroad track in St. Thomas, Ontario, and that track was supposed to be clear of trains. When the circus workers heard a train coming, they scrambled to get all the animals off the track. Sadly, Jumbo was too large to budge. He was hit in his hips by the train, and he was killed. His legacy lived on, partly because of P.T. Barnum and his never-ending effort to make a buck. He had Jumbo's hide taxidermied and put him on display. In addition to that, he had Jumbo's skeleton articulated and put on a separate display, twice the Jumbo, to show the nation. Eventually, Jumbo was gifted to Tufts University and became their mascot. Sadly, the building housing the taxidermied elephant burned to the ground, and all that remains are a small jar of Jumbo's ashes and his tail, which had been previously removed and stolen from the exhibit. While many people no longer remember Jumbo, we do interact with his legacy every time we use the word. So next time you see the word Jumbo, remember the story of an elephant that was beloved by the world, who left a legend larger than life. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and see if they already know what we just learned. Today, I've invited my good friend Jonathan Burns on the show to play the quiz. Jonathan is a hilarious comedic performer who uses contortion and magic in his act. You may have seen him on America's Got Talent, Penn & Teller Fool Us. He's been on Letterman. He's been on Leno. And he and I often perform together going back like 15 years now. He's one of my great friends. Please welcome Jonathan Burns to the show. Hi, Michael. How are you? Good, man. I haven't talked to you in a while. Are you ready for you and the, and the girls ready for Christmas? Uh, does this answer your question? A <sighs> uh, <laughs> little, something, little something for the Patreon subscribers. That's, that's going to play really well on the podcast. Uh, Jonathan just <laughs> threw a bunch of uh, confetti snowflakes around his studio. Um, <laughs> that was real snow right on my computer. That's probably a poor, a poor choice on my part. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you been working down there a lot? Uh, you, you did a big corporate show the other day. 
Uh, but down there, you mean in, in my basement? Yes. Uh, I have been working in the basement. I had a show for Google and, uh, middle of the show, my four-year-old walked in, in her underwear. So nice. I'm sure Google appreciated that. Actually, that's how it's it's going. It's that type of thing that makes these virtual shows, uh, you know, adding some humanity to these things makes them good. That's happened on a couple news interviews and they always go viral. I think people really love that type of thing. The the performer in me thinks it's hilarious. The dad in me is like good upster. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have to maintain like oh, this is hilarious. Mom giving the eyes of like you need to go upstairs right now. You know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today for the quiz segment. You, you don't know what this episode is about, which is the way I prefer it. So you're coming in cold. And the first question, this first round, we're playing for a total of $50 transferred from my savings account to my checking account to be spent how I wish. So, wow. Uh, uh, this is, wow. I didn't even the realize there was, high. there was prizes involved. That's exciting. Yes. The stakes are high. Two weeks ago, Marcus Monroe answered a question correctly that necessitated me to take $50 out of my checking and put it in my savings. And I never did it. So, if you get this right, I don't have to do it. That's the whole thing because it's going back the other direction. And then I can just. I got to cancel Marcus Monroe out. That's right. That's been my goal my entire life. <laughs> it's, it's an all new type of cancel culture. Your question <laughs> is the following Which one of these three explanations is the true origin of the word jumbo? A. A pub owner in England needed a name for his large offering of steak. He couldn't think of a name, so that portly man, Mr. William R. Jumbo, named it after himself. That's your first Mm, story. mm. B. A man in New Orleans didn't know how to order the gumbo. He pronounced it jumbo, and everyone in the restaurant thought it was so great they changed it on the menu. That restaurant was known for their large portions. And your third story. I do believe I like that answer. (laughs) (laughs) I I was pretending I was from New Orleans. I was expecting you to tell me about the Gata. (laughs) Oh, man, the Gata's going to get you. The Gata's going to get you. Oh, man. Your third third story. Something effervescent. Here's your third story. A popular circus elephant named Jumbo was so well-known and loved, people started using the phrase Jumbo size to mean anything large. So one was a large offering of steak by William R. Jumbo. Two was a man in New Orleans who didn't know how to say gumbo. And three was a circus elephant. Which one do you think is the correct answer? I feel like I, I, I really like... The, the, you called the man portly in the first one. <laughs> I, I don't hear that term much anymore. Then it was, that, but I do like a Creole accent and the jumbo gumbo, you know, like when I go out to a Mexican restaurant or the Jalpalinos, same, you know, it could happen to anybody. That's true. And then three, jumbo, I feel like I'm going to go with C, the elephant known as jumbo. That is correct. A popular circus elephant in the Barnum and Bailey Circus was so well-known and loved, people started using the phrase jumbo size to mean anything large. You, my friend, have kept me from transferring any money between accounts. And uh, those of you who, who 
Take that, watching. Marcus Monroe. <laughs> Take that, Marcus Monroe. Those of you who are watching on the Patreon offering of the video version of this interview got to see Jonathan celebrating in the way that Jonathan does. There is dancing. There's more confetti. There's lots of things happening on the screen. Uh, the next I can't hear question... you over the music. <laughs> they would hear the music, Jonathan. It's oh, a podcast. Okay. Sorry. It's Sorry. An audio Sorry. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> this next question is for a tell me what to Google sticker. And I didn't get you a Christmas card, but I will mail you this sticker if you get it right. And by the way, I'm out of stamps and I don't feel like going to the post office. So I purposely made this question difficult. In Japan, McDonald's once offered a jumbo sized drink. The lid had two holes for straws so it could be shared. Put these three drink sizes in order from smallest to largest. And that's in terms of fluid ounces. So number one okay. is the McDonald's jumbo sized drink in Japan with two straw holes. Number two, Wendy's biggie size in America around 1998. Number three, Wendy's <sighs> large drink in America currently in 2020. So those three again, McDonald's jumbo-sized drink in Japan with two straw holes, Wendy's biggie size, or Wendy's current large. Okay. All right. I'm going to say, I'm, I must say, too, that I have never felt this much pressure. Uh, it feels like I'm at the Starbucks counter right now. <laughs> and I don't know, like, the tall, venti. I don't know what's going on. This is, like, my first time at Starbucks. I'm so confused. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We're, I'm going to go Wendy's current large is the smallest, followed by the Japanese two hole jumbo drink. And then the, the, the largest is the biggie sized Wendy's drink. I'm going to lock it in. Okay, locked in. Well, unfortunately, Jonathan, I will not be sending you a sticker. Uh, but the answer to this is actually pretty interesting. Of the three, the McDonald's jumbo-sized drink in Japan with two straw holes is the smallest uh, at 22 ounces. So that's a 22-ounce drink, which is jumbo in Japan with two straw holes. Next was the biggie-size Wendy's drink, which they have now. There is no biggie-size anymore. But when they had a yeah, biggie-size, right. it was 32 ounces. But with that said, even though they retired their biggie-size, if you order a large Wendy's drink now, it's 42 fluid ounces. <laughs> it's the equivalent of three cans of soda. 42. Oh my goodness. So a current can... large is bigger than the biggie, and both of those were bigger than a Japanese jumbo. By a lot. 20 that, ounces more. You, you, can, you can swim in that cup. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can Scrooge McDuck in Orange Fanta. <laughs> I don't know if they are. <laughs> Number three, if you get this question right, I will post one of your videos. You get to choose on my Facebook. Okay, mm. you can choose the video. It can be your America's Got Talent stuff, your Fool Us stuff, your demo reel, whatever you want. I will post it on my Facebook and I will post it. Something tomorrow. from my private collection. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Jonathan, I feel like your private collection for you is just like, I don't know, you eating food at home with your family. 
It's like something very yeah. wholesome. <laughs> it, is, it is. Christmas morning. All right. Old home movies. That's what I was thinking about. I can't believe you would think anything else. <laughs> if you, so uh, here's the question for you. Jumbo okay. the Elephant has a special history with Tufts University near Boston. Which one of these mm -hmm. is accurate? A, they are the ones who have the elephant's charred remains in a jar of ashes. Ooh. Two, Jumbo the Elephant is the official mascot of Tufts University. C, after the elephant's death, P.T. Barnum gave the taxidermied pachyderm to the university to put on display. Or D, all of the above. Oh, Oh no. Okay. I was liking the taxidermy pachyderm because that's tough to say. That's Great like that's my, my vocal warm-up before every show. <laughs> uh taxidermy pachyderm. Taxidermy pachyderm. <laughs> uh I'm gonna go I'm going D, all of the above. You are correct, sir. The answer is D, all of the above. They <laughs> had a deal with PT Barnum and uh they did get the elephant's remains on campus. And to this day, their mascot is still Jumbo the Elephant. Little known fact, uh, PT of PT Barnum, that stands for uh, Pachyderm Taxidermy Barnum. <laughs> All right, you win for that one. You get a sticker. Uh, you have gained your sticker. I got to go to the I brought it back. post office. <laughs> uh, okay, I have a story that's sort of embarrassing from a show that we did together. And I'm not sure if you remember it. A lot of us entertainers like to share horror stories or embarrassing things that happen while we're on the road. We'll, a lot of time we'll call each other after they happened. I was in the back of the room when this happened to you. And if you don't get this one right, I'll tell the story right here, right now on the podcast. So for your dignity, this next question. Which popular cartoon character was based on Jumbo the Elephant? Which popular cartoon character was based on Jumbo the Elephant? That's correct. Oh my gosh. I Is it Dumbo? It is Disney's Dumbo. Dumbo. Disney's Dumbo. Uh, That's uh, great. I'm glad you don't have to tell the story about the time that I oh, never mind. Never mind. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Should we tell the story anyway? Aren't you just curious? <laughs> I, have, I have two good ones. Uh, nothing embarrassing has ever happened to me on stage. So that seems strange to me. <laughs> How about this? We'll tell the story just for Patreon. And we won't. Not, not fine with that. The final question, and this is the easiest one of all. If you get this one right, I will invite you to come on Joke Story Trick live when I return for next season. Here's your question. Gosh. Okay. Where can people find out more about Jonathan Burns? Oh, gosh. Oh. Uh. I know this. I know this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they can check me out at flexiblecomedy.com. Uh, there's lots of videos and, and links to everything. YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Tinder, whatever you need. It's all there. <laughs> that was an easy question, and I was hoping you would get it right because I've already got you booked for January 12th. You're going to come on the show <gasps> uh, live. What? But if you didn't get that right, if you forgot your web address, uh, kicked off the show immediately. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> me, man. It's good to catch up. And thanks for making me laugh this weekend. I really do appreciate it. Take care, man. You too. See you, buddy.
Well, that's all for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please help me out by leaving a review of the podcast on iTunes, along with a sentence or two. Writing a few words helps a ton to allow other people to listen and to allow other people to tell me what to Google. We'll see you next week. Tell Me What to Google is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Reed Mathis, and additional music this week was from Max Surya and Asher Falera. You can listen to past episodes by searching for Tell Me What to Google wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Kent.